Welcome to a new episode of Cafecito with Toro Latino, a podcast where I talk about U.S. politics without making you want to jump out the window. So sit down, have a cup of coffee, and let me tell you some interesting things related to politics because, as one of my friends says, if you don't mess with politics, politics messes with you. This podcast is also a newsletter. If you want to get my content directly in your inbox, visit tonolatino.com and sign up. Every Monday, you're going to receive a newsletter packed with positive news related to politics. On Thursdays, we'll dive deep into a specific topic that makes us think or get more involved in easy and uncomplicated ways. Do not worry, because I got you. I'm here to make politics something you want to care about. And today, I'm going to talk about DC statehood. Let me pour myself a cup of cafecito and let's dive right in. Before we talk specifically about DC and its residents, we have to back up quite a bit. I actually got one heck of a history lesson researching this topic, and we have to go all the way back to 1874. That's when Republicans lost control of the House of Representatives for the first time since the Civil War. So right before the Democrats took over, Republicans tentatively agreed to add two new states to the Union, Colorado and New Mexico. Colorado at the time had about 40,000 residents, most of them Republicans, and New Mexico had over 90,000. Now, in the 19th century, new states were supposed to join the Union when they reached a certain population. Did that happen? No. Partisanship was more important than population. In 1875, Congress allowed Colorado into the Union, but not New Mexico. Why? Well, this is going to sound like a 2015 Donald Trump speech. According to a group of both Democrats and Republicans, New Mexico was full of ignorant, priest-ridden greasers. I had to look this up. Greasers is slang for Mexicans. So New Mexico shouldn't be allowed to send two senators to Congress. I mean, they shouldn't have the same amount of votes as New York, Pennsylvania, and any of the other great states in the U.S. Senate. That means Colorado was in, but New Mexico was not. But getting Colorado as a state was a huge win for Republicans. It saved their butts in the 1876 presidential election. That's because in 1876, there was a Republican, Rutherford B. Hayes, who lost the popular vote to Democrat Samuel J. Tilden. This was one of the most disputed elections in American history. And I'm saying this just coming out of the 2020 presidential election. Colorado's three electoral votes are what kept the Republicans candidacy alive. This was Rutherford B. Hayes. The Colorado three electoral votes are what kept his candidacy alive. And at the time, 
something really, really weird happened. And the decision about who's the winner ended up in the hands of a bipartisan electoral commission. This was super interesting to learn about because the electoral commission was supposed to be a group of 15 people, five representatives, five senators, and five Supreme Court justices. And it was supposed to have seven Democrats, seven Republicans, and one person who was an independent. But the Democrats kind of tried to play dirty and they picked that independent Supreme Court justice and turned him into a U.S. senator trying to get things to work in their favor. And it completely blew up in their faces because that man, David Davis, Supreme Court Justice David Davis, he kind of retracted and said he wouldn't be part of this commission. So the Electoral Commission ended up with eight Republicans and seven Democrats. And theoretically, the 15th man was supposed to be like a more independent Supreme Court justice, but he was a Republican. So the Electoral Commission, with a Republican majority, declared Rutherford B. Hayes the winner. So I bet this man was thinking, thank goodness for the state of Colorado. Now, fast forward to another presidential election, this time in 1888. At this time, the Democrats wanted the state's Uh, the territories of New Mexico, again, and Montana to be added to the Union. The Republicans wanted to add Washington and Dakota, which at the time was only one Dakota. But again, a Republican loses the popular vote, but wins the Electoral College. This time it was Benjamin Harrison, and his opponent was the incumbent Democratic president, Grover Cleveland. So the Democrats had to think really, really fast and scramble to get the best possible deal. They wanted to prevent the Republicans from adding only the Republican states to the Union. Remember, they wanted Washington and Dakota. So in 1889, outgoing President Cleveland signed an act to divide Dakota into two and admit those two as South North and South Dakota, two new states, and then also admitting Washington and Montana. So we've got 1876, adding Colorado, 1889, North Dakota, South Dakota, Washington, and Montana. And once again, New Mexico is out. And the Republicans kept losing popularity. So in 1890, they added two more states to the Union, this time Wyoming and Idaho. Why? Remember, because the electoral votes are what matters in these races. They organized these two states so quickly that they didn't even follow procedure. I mean, Idaho allowed volunteers to write in its constitution instead of elected delegates. And the thing here is that Republicans knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that when the 1890 census numbers would come out, it would be clear as day. That's why they added six states in 12 months to guarantee to the Republican Party a permanent majority. They were actually so blatant about it that even some Republicans turned against them. 
And these new states didn't have as many people as other territories like Arizona and New Mexico. But Arizona and New Mexico had a lot of people who supported the Democrats. Let me, let me just give you the numbers. In 1890, Wyoming had 62,555 people. Arizona had 88,243. But Idaho had more than Arizona, 88,544, 48. New Mexico, however, had 160,282 people. Remember, New Mexico and Arizona, not in. Wyoming and Idaho, totally in. So now you're probably thinking, okay, Sylvia, you've been talking for like eight minutes about this entire history lesson. What does this have to do with DC statehood? Well, this is where I'm going to give you some interesting facts about DC. Washington DC has about 712,000 residents and the majority are people of color. In fact, DC has more people than the states of Wyoming and Vermont. DC residents pay federal taxes, but they have no voting representation in the House or the Senate. They are what people call taxation without representation. DC residents pay more in federal taxes than those people living in 22 other states. DC residents pay the highest per capita federal taxes, yet they have no say on how their tax dollars are spent. In fact, the mayor of DC and the DC city council can't even control their own budget. They can't make city laws. Those have to be approved by Congress. DC law enforcement is directed by the Justice Department and not by the DC Attorney General. This is where a bill called HR 51 comes in. And I'm going to tell you all about it after this short break. Today's episode of Don Latino is sponsored by our store. Visit us at store.tonolatino.com and use the promo code TONOPODCAST to get 10% off. You can get a cafecito mug to pour yourself some coffee or tea or water, whatever beverage you want, every week when you listen to my podcast. And you can also get anything else that catches your eye. Remember, store.tonolatino.com. And we are back. Talking specifically now about the bill that addresses this issue with the 712,000 residents in DC. This bill is called HR 51. It is a bill that would turn DC into a state and it would give DC two senators and one house representative. And it also addresses the issue of a national capital that is not part of a state and is exclusively under the authority of Congress. Is it something that was explicitly written into the constitution by the founding fathers? Now, HR 51 creates a two square mile federal district with the buildings surrounding the White House, the Capitol and the Supreme Court. The rest of the district would become state of Washington, Douglas Commonwealth. And this new state would keep its three electoral votes and gain members of Congress. So where does Congress stand in all this? The left 
supports DC statehood and says that DC residents are disenfranchised. They also argue that the Senate has too many Republican senators in relation to the population. They're not lying. The Senate is currently split 50-50 between Republicans and Democrats, but Republican senators represent 40.5 million fewer people. You heard that right. Over 40 million people. That's like the entire population of Iraq. Now, the right argues that this is a democratic power grab. I guess they forgot about the history lesson that I spoke about during the first half of this episode. And yes, DC statehood would be a win for Democrats, but it wouldn't create this overrepresented Senate in favor of Democrats. So Republicans or the people on the right say that the founding fathers specifically wrote in the Constitution that there should be a national capital. But as I said, H.R. 51 addresses this. What Republicans propose is moving D.C. back to being a part of Maryland. They argue that D.C. used to be part of Maryland and that this would solve the issue of representation. But the problem with this is that both D.C. and Maryland people hate that idea. So honestly, I don't know how to solve this, but what I do know is that over 700,000 people living in the nation's capital cannot be ignored. And in fact, there are over 4 million Americans who live without representation in their government. Those are the people of Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, Guam, the Virgin Islands, Samoa, and the Northern Marina Islands. These are Americans who pay taxes, serve in the U.S. military, die for their country, and give use of their land for its defense. This is the closest DC has ever come to getting statehood. But obviously, even though Bill HR 51 already passed in the House of Representatives, it would need to get a vote in the Senate, and it would have to get over 60 votes. I talk about this every single week. The way the Senate is set up right now requires 60 votes for most bills to pass. And we know that with a 50-50 split, we are not going to find 10 Republicans to vote with all of the Democrats, assuming that all of the Democrats are in favor of this idea. However, this idea is getting traction. We are getting more and more people to recognize that it is important that the people living in the nation's capital have taxation with representation and that what was written in the constitution about a national capital under the control of congress doesn't specifically mean the entire area that holds over 700,000 people that you can address that specific clause by creating what hr 51 proposes with this two square mile district federal district and leave everything else as a place where residents get taxed, but they also get representative. I would love to hear what you think about this issue. So write me back at hola, H-O-L-A, at tonolatino.com or reach out via direct message on Instagram at tono.latino or Twitter at con tono latino. They're different handles, I know. 
Anyway, that is my episode for today. I hope you liked it. Remember to visit store.tonolatino.com and use Tono Podcast to get 10% off. I'll see you again next week. <laughs>